Amen. Well, just as Chris shared, our desire in these days is to um, tend to the needs of our people and would in- highly encourage you to, uh, to be able to go to our website. And again, we'd love to connect with you and, and help you in any way that we can. A couple of things I want to share with you, just things that are going on in the realm of prayer. You know, uh, what's interesting, we shared this a couple of weeks ago, but, um, you know, <clears throat> we are being asked to really pull back in these days to, uh, to shelter in place, to be in our homes, and yet we're given an opportunity, <laughs> unlike any other, to actually take the time to pray. And specifically, uh, uh, God's initiated a couple different things with us. Uh, as a people in terms of how we can pray. So one of those things, very exciting, is that uh, some of the pastors in this city and ministry leaders have initiated a 40 Days of Prayer uh, initiative. And what we're looking at is different local churches around Bryan and College Station linking arms together in prayer and taking a 24-hour slot for one day over the next 40 days. So we are Working on that right now, and um, we'll be updating you as a church in terms of what is our day that we are going to own as the people of God to really own prayer for our city. But that's so exciting that God's bringing the churches together. In the midst of us pulling back, we are pressing in again into the realm of prayer. Um, Secondly, we have just put something out today. It starts today. It's a a 15-day prayer guide, and it's an opportunity um, uh, for you to journey with us collectively as a people. Just as we're going through 24 days of Luke leading up to Good Friday, we're doing a 15-day prayer guide leading up to Easter Sunday on April 12th. And we'd love for you to follow along with us. You can go to our website and our resources page. That'll be coming out in the e-news as well. And then lastly, um, we have an opportunity uh, for you, which is really in these days, we are trying to figure out, man, what are the needs of the people in our church how can we help you? Specifically, we just created a resource. If you'll go to antiochcs.org forward slash pray, antiochcs.org forward slash pray, go there and allows you to fill some information out and it lets us know as a leadership team, how can we help serve you as the body of Christ? Again, we are an Acts 2 type of church, meaning that we are committed uh, to meeting the needs of one another in these days and that is our honest desire. And so please join with us in the 24-hour prayer. We'll let you know what day that is. Journey with us in the 15-day prayer guide as we start to declare the things of God to see breakthrough. And lastly, we want to know how we can pray for you as a people. Well, I don't have to tell you this, but our entire world has just changed in a few weeks' time. It's changed so much so that things are happening that I'm pretty sure never really happened before. Um, a couple of days ago, my son Graham, who's in second grade, uh, uh, a boy in his class had a birthday. And in their school, they like to celebrate the birthdays of the kids. And because uh, obviously kids aren't on, on campus, they couldn't do that. And so the teacher set up a Zoom birthday, all right? And so this is a first for us. We got Graham set up on the laptop, and he's opening up. And let me just tell you, there's nothing more precious than a bunch of second grade boys and girls on a Zoom call. Like, if you thought you were awkward as an adult, just take it to another level. It was so precious. And so there they are, and the teacher's asking questions, you know, what, how do we want to encourage him, and what have you been doing all break? And it was so sweet, but man, our world is changing. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some Zoom weddings headed our way, and if you don't know what Zoom is, uh, you will find out soon enough. But man, our world is changing, and 
You know, whether we like it or not, it is the way it is. And we as a people then have to look at it and say, man, what is God saying in these days? And what is our response to the current environment that we are in? You know, today there are plenty of things to watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. You may have your favorite YouTube channel. You may be following people on Instagram or Twitter or trekking with Facebook posts. And there are countless articles and streams available about any topic you could ever imagine. There, are, there is an endlessness of devotional thoughts and, and ideas and spiritual leaders all over the world. And what's interesting is our economy and our normal daily lives are coming to a complete change and a grinding halt in some ways. I would argue that even with the shelter-in-place orders and the, and the restrictions of social distancing, that we are in a time and day to where we are more inundated with information in our minds than ever before. You see, our minds is where we take in all the information, right? It's where we process all the data points. It's where the conversations and the experiences and the feelings are interpreted in some way, shape, or form, which then forms our perspective about someone or our relationship with an organization. And in our minds, it is the number one place where we can tend to stray very quickly. You see, the thought life is an important space, an important place that we need to tend to. And honestly, it can be as little as losing your train of thought in a conversation, which may not have happened to you this last week on a Zoom call potentially, and you have a point to make and you just kind of lose train of thought. That's on a surface level, but in a deeper, more severe way, our minds can lead us astray down to paths of darkness and discouragement and even hopelessness. So what do we do? <laughs> what do we do when our thoughts, when our minds are maybe kind of led astray? How do we survive, or how do we not just survive or just endure, but how do we actually pull ourselves up above the weightiness of the uncertainty all around us so that we can breathe again, so that we can see clearly, even though everything around us maybe seems a bit foggy. <laughs> um, you know, it was about 10 years ago, my wife and I, Ashley, we um, took a trip to California to visit some friends, and we decided to rent a car and drive up Highway 1. Now, if you've ever been to California, Highway 1 is a highway that runs north to south along the Pacific coast, and it is beautiful. It is unlike I-35, in case you're just putting it into context. So there we were driving up the highway, and we're driving from L.A. all the way up to San Francisco. It was a long drive. But as we're driving, um, we look to our left, and we get hug the coastline a little closer, and we look, and we see literally this very thick and intense fog to our left. Now, we knew that there was an ocean there, but we couldn't see it. Literally, I never in my life experienced the term when the fog rolls in. It really did roll in, and it, and it really clouded our ability to see the beautiful ocean. So we're driving for an hour and a half or so, and the sun's starting to set, and eventually the fog begins to clear, and we look, and you have this beautiful ocean water with the sun setting. So we stopped the car, and we took pictures and just enjoyed the surreal, beautiful moment of enjoying God's creation. But you know, what's interesting is that that beautiful water was there the entire time. It was there the entire time, although we couldn't see it because the fog was clouding it. 
the fog was not lifting. And because it wasn't lifting, it was not giving us an opportunity to see clearly. And I would just say that maybe in these days where we are, whether you're sheltered in place or you have to work differently or you've got kids awake from 6 a.m. until 9 p.m. at night and you feel like you're losing it, that in some ways most of us can agree that there is some sort of spiritual or mental or physical fog. Maybe there's a relational fog happening in your house right now that there's a real strain because you're not used to living in such close quarters 24-7. You're used to getting away to sports or to school or maybe to your job, but now that's been taken away and you're in a house together all day, every day. Or maybe for some, in a very real way, there's a financial fog happening. Your job is uncertain. You're not sure what the future holds and bills are starting to rack up. So how do we get the fog to lift? How do we get the fog to lift? Well, one is to turn to Philippians chapter 4. We looked at this last week, and if um, if you didn't check with us, we looked at how uh, Paul started talking about how we can experience the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And he continues on, and he talks in chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. And remember, this is a letter that he wrote to the Christians, to the church in a city called Philippi. So he's writing to believers, and he says this, starting in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now again, by way of a recap, Paul talked about the peace of God and, and how do we obtain the peace of God, right? It's, he said it comes through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving meaning that we have to approach God who gives peace in order to receive it. We have to approach God. It doesn't just come. We actually have to engage with him. And so here Paul writes in verse 8, he says, um, he says think about these things. Now, I want to take a moment, and I'm going to take these thoughts that he shares, these characteristics, these traits he wants us to think about, and instead I'm going to insert the antonym, right? I'm going to insert their counterpart. I just want you to read it for a second, and hopefully you'll see my point. What if it wrote like this in verse 8? Finally, brothers, whatever is false, whatever is deplorable, whatever is unfair, whatever is impure, whatever is hideous, whatever is reprehensible, if there is any mediocrity, if there is anything worthy of condemnation, think about these things. Now, you might be calling me a heretic right now, but that's not what the Bible says. I'm inserting some other words, but here's what I want you to understand. I would argue that at times we actually dwell on those things, that at times we actually think about what's false, unfair, reprehensible, hideous, impure, that instead of actually thinking about the things we're supposed to, we drift into the things that we're not supposed to. And why is that? Why, why should we not dwell upon the things that are deplorable and mediocrity and hideous? Why do we not dwell on that? Because do you know what Paul's ultimately saying? He's saying, I want you to dwell on the nature of God. You see, God is just. He is honorable and true and pure. He is lovely and commendable and excellent 
and worthy of praise because when you dwell on anything but the nature of God, it only leads down one path. And that path strays from the straight and narrow. The straight and narrow leads to life. The broad path, the one with many outlets, it leads to death. Paul's admonishing us to be a people that will think about these things. Another phrase you could use is to consider these things or to even meditate on these things. And you know, we are in a time and age right now where there is a real battle going on around the world. The coronavirus has taken every nation and gripped every municipality and every family in different ways, some in extreme ways, some less extreme, but it is rampant and it is everywhere. It is shutting down economies. It is making people second guess what, uh, what their purpose is and where their hope is found. And in these days, there is a crisis like none that any of us, I believe, have ever experienced in our lives. There's a real battle going on, and it is destroying economies, and it is even destroying lives. But at the same time, there is another battle going on. Maybe one that's um, a little more difficult to detect in some ways. It's different. It's a mental battle, and it's real. It's more real than ever, especially with us being isolated and stuck at home and more time to think and to ponder things. I wonder what we are pondering I wonder what we are thinking about. But thankfully, God has given us his word so that we can have victory instead of defeat. You know, Paul goes on from verse 8. He doesn't just say, this is the things I want you to think about. He goes on and says in verse 9, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We read it again. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, referring to himself, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now, why is Paul saying that? Well, because Paul is saying, I am yoked with Christ. I am partnering with him and the things that I am doing, I want you to mimic those things so that you can see Christ. Now, um, just a couple nights ago, I was, was at the end of the day and we're cleaning up the kitchen, and I decided to go lay down in the living room and stretch a little bit after a long day. We did a bunch of yard work and stuff, and in walks my little two-year-old, Madeline. She literally walks up. She looks at me laying on the ground doing some funny stretches, and she lays down next to me, and she begins doing the stretches. Now, I didn't coax her over there. She just started doing it, and I thought, this is incredible. My two-year-old is learning to stretch. I was not stretching at two years old. And there she was stretching. And I thought, well, I know what they say, that young kids soak things up like a sponge. So I took the opportunity to teach her a few more stretches. And it was so precious. My little girl just reaching her toes and pulling her arms in the air. It was amazing to see her copying her daddy. I loved it. She was learning to stretch at a young age. And although it was so cute, I think we can both be honest that we don't want our kids always copying us. We just want them to copy the good things, right? Because none of us probably want to have a GoPro stuck to our head, live streaming our entire day that might have some embarrassing moments because life is not easy. But I believe what Paul's encouraging us to do 
is to consider how our lives truly do affect those we care about, those we are friends with. You see, by human interactions, we are always picking up on tone or attitude or words, and out of those places, it forms our perspective and our trust of a person, our enjoyment of a person. Therefore, if we model our lives after Christ, as Paul is admonishing us to do and he is doing himself, then shouldn't people see Christ in us in terms of how we say things, what we think about, what we communicate about? You know, these days are difficult and um, can be discouraging, um, but they're also full of creativity, and there's courage, and there's great compassion on display in our world and in our town. And honestly, church, what we choose to think about, that has a great deal as to what our day is actually going to behold. If we think about things that are good, if we think about the nature of God and we dwell on those things, it'll actually really determine our days. And just to encourage you that people are um, uh, thinking about things in a way that are here to encourage and to admonish others, I just want to share with you a few stories. Uh, Carice Lowy, one of our life group leaders, her life group, the ladies are on a group me, and they decided to pick a different lady's name every day of the week, and they get to honor that lady. And so they're picking a name out of a hat. She's communicating to the whole life group. Hey, guess what, ladies? We're going to honor her today. And so people send encouragements and videos, and they pray for that person that day. I love that, taking each other up. Uh, an, another life group, they spent time uh, writing encouragement letters to their neighbors in their streets. And so everybody in life group wrote letters. They then went, and they distributed them to their neighbors on their doors. Even some attached a roll of toilet paper. Hey, we want to be practical. And so they, they dropped those off, and many of them reported People actually called them crying and just thankful that someone actually cares and wants to help. It's been a powerful experience for people getting to know their neighbors. Another family has decided that they want to support local restaurants in this time. And so once a day, they're actually going and buying food, picking it up, and delivering it to a random family, to someone that they choose and they pray about. They're delivering food to that family each day. And so I got to see a picture of this family. They picked up a bunch of barbecue, and they were dropping it off to someone just to bless them and to say that we see you. I love just the people's heart's response in these days, which is to bless and to serve one another. But, you know, it's not only about what we dwell upon and what we think about the things is the battle of our mind. But Paul writes in verse 11 and 12 in Philippians 4, and he says this, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? In whatever situation to be content, that's a really bold statement. I think I have and you have been in a lot of situations where we're wondering, is there any possibility of peace or contentment in this moment? In fact, I was thinking about when we were parents for the very first time with our son, Ethan. And, you know, when you go from having no kids to having your first kid, everything starts to change. Even though you're kind of holding on to not wanting to change. So I remember we went out to Outback Steakhouse. He was about three or four months old. 
And we're thinking, this is going to be great. I mean, you know, we just wanted to get out and feel like normal people again. And so we went to Outback Steakhouse. We got little Ethan, a little carrier, you know. We got his pacifier. We're thinking, this is going to be great. You know, my wife and I are going to talk. We're going to be like normal people again. And, you know, Ethan, we didn't really ask him what he thought about the restaurant. But he told us through much screaming and crying throughout the entire night. I'm pretty sure we had a diaper change in the midst of all that, which isn't too pleasant when you're trying to eat food. But I'm telling you, we wanted it to be so normal. And you would have thought that we were emotionally unstable, to be quite honest. Because in those early days of having your first child, everything changes, and you just don't feel like you have a grip on things. And you're fighting for things to be normal, right? For things to be the way that they were. And we may be fighting that same thing right now. Things have changed. (laughs) You don't have to like it. Um, but for the moment, we need to get used to it. But not used to it in a defeated way. We need to adapt. We need to be people to say, okay, this is where we are. What are the things that we can do to take advantage of these days? It, it looks different, and change is hard, and it makes our skin creep a little bit, and maybe adds a little more stress or a little more anxiety. Maybe we're in a little more conflict. But you know, I was thinking about this. How many marriages across the country right now have the opportunity to actually engage in real conflict that can be resolved. You see, you can't just go run off with your buddies and play ball. You can't just leave to the office and just say, forget about it, I'm not going to talk about it. Because you're home all day with those people. I'm not saying everyone's taking advantage of the opportunity, but as believers, I think God is calling us to be people to say, look at the times you live in and to find me in it. Don't just wait for it all to pass and just hunker down. Find me in it today. Find me in it now. Because Paul is saying in whatever situation he lived in, man, he was able to be content. You know, going from our first child to five, um, it was difficult to go to the grocery store with one child. (laughs) But now, honestly, uh, I go with five. I know we can't go in these current days, but previously I would load up all five kids myself. We'd head off to the grocery store. We'd go to H-E-B and we just make it fun. We would make it a game, and I would give them different rules and boundaries, and they would run around, and we would grab all these groceries, and it was a hoot. And yes, we provided a little entertainment for all the onlookers at HEB wondering who is this crazy parent with five kids in the grocery store. But you know what? I'm not going to allow my kids to be, uh, to be those that people say you shouldn't bring them to the grocery store. Hey, isn't that just crazy? All the comments people say about, man, I'm praying for you, brother, or Hey, man, how are you doing there? That's a lot of kids. And I'm thinking, you know, we meant to have all these kids. And I love these kids. And it's fun to go to the grocery store. Sure, it's got a little stress added to it. But, man, life is full when we take what God's put in front of us and we embrace it and we run with it. I love hanging out with my family. And these days we have an opportunity, church, to spend time with your family, to spend time with your roommates if you're not married, to Spend time with your spouse if you don't have kids. But either way, you get to spend time with the people that you love in these days. And Paul, as he said, he said, I've learned whatever situation to be content. But he said this little line. He said, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What is that secret? (laughs) What is the secret that Paul is talking about? Is he really saying that I've really learned how to be brought low and how to abound? Guys, right now, people all over the world, 
are being brought low. There's a lot more people being brought low than abounding in this moment, circumstantially. But I'm wondering if we as the believers will say, hold on a second. What does it look like for me to thrive even when I'm brought low? What does it look like for me to face plenty or hunger and to still be content? Many people are hungry right now. In fact, just this last week, I was speaking to um, uh, people who work for Brian ISD and is there working on providing meals for kids. In Brian ISD alone, there are uh, uh, 2,500 students that are needing breakfast and lunch every day served to them. The staff at Brian ISD are working tirelessly every week to provide these meals, and about 2,000 of these students have availability and the mobility to get to the the different uh, schools to pick up their meals. There's about 500 who don't have access to that. And so people are volunteering to actually take food, box foods to these families that live in the surrounding areas. I was talking to one person. He said he spent two hours driving to deliver three boxes of food to families that live in rural areas that are in desperate need of those resources. What would it look like for us to be a people that said, hey, whether we've got a lot or a little, we've learned to be content. We've learned to find joy no matter what the situation He says abundance and need. (laughs) There's a lot of needs right now. There's abundance as well, but man, there's a lot of real practical physical needs that people have. What if we looked and we said whether we have a lot or a little, whether we're in abundance or need, that we are people who have learned contentment. But I want to go back to that question about what is the secret? What is the secret ingredient, right? I mean, what is the secret sauce that Paul is talking about? I mean, he was the Apostle Paul. He wrote many letters in the New Testament. I mean, the guy was fiery. Certainly it was just his personality, right? Like certainly it was just Paul, the like guy who got redeemed from God in a miraculous encounter with Jesus and started winning people to Christ. Certainly it was just kind of Paul's a one-off, right? That he alone got the secret recipe to this life. No. In fact, in verse 13, he tells us the secret. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I encourage you with something? It doesn't matter about the days we live in in terms of everything seems peaceful and normal or things seem complicated and challenging. It shouldn't determine necessarily where our peace and joy lie. It's very hard in the days we live in, and I'm with you there. We've got kids, and we're doing schooling, and working from home, and trying to be on calls with a little toddler walking in, and pulling at me, or a little screaming in the background. You're trying to mute it. I get it. I mean, it's part of life right now. But what if we latched on to the secret that Paul's giving us, which is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What if we actually believe that? What if we started declaring that over ourselves? I can do, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is the source of my strength. Do you remember when Jesus shared in John 15 about the vine? He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He said, abide in me and I in you. And if you do that, you will bear much fruit. 
And do you know what our hope is? Is that the more we abide in Jesus, not only will we bear more fruit, but that fruit will remain. That fruit will remain. You see, we have the opportunity this morning to pray, to ask God to really be the linchpin, to really be the centerpiece. Our world is probably not going to go back to normal tomorrow or next week or for a few weeks at least. Who knows how long this will last. But we have an opportunity to implement this secret to a content life this morning. We have an opportunity to latch on to Christ and not to latch on to everything else that seems fleeting in the moment. And so here's what we're going to do, how we're going to respond this morning. We're going to worship here in just a moment, but I want us to take a moment right now where you are, with your family, with your roommates, <laughs> your friends, or just by yourself, it doesn't really matter. But I want you to take a moment right now, and I actually want you to pray this verse over yourself. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so, Lord Jesus, this morning, we pray and we ask. Lord, last week we learned that if we will simply come to you in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that we'll be able to receive that peace. And this morning, Lord, we know from your word that the secret to contentment, no matter if we have a lot or a little, that the secret to having our thought life not derailed and thrown into a ditch of hopelessness, that the, that the secret to all of that is Jesus. If we will dwell upon the nature of Christ. Because you are true. You are honorable. You are pure. You are commendable. You are excellent. Jesus, you are worthy of praise. And we know if we will simply think about you throughout our day, not just once in the morning for a few minutes, but if we will pause throughout the day and to say, Jesus, I want to think like you think. Jesus, I want to do like you do. I want to be on a conference call with people from work and think to myself, Jesus, you're sitting right next to me on this call. How would I interact with my employees? How would I in interact with my coworkers? Lord, I want to go through this week thinking about Jesus sitting with me at the dinner table with my wife and children. How would Jesus be with my kids right now? Would he be angry? Would Jesus be really intense with the children talking at a turn? What if a cup of water spills? What if food goes on the floor? Would Jesus pound his fist? <laughs> no. He would have compassion and understanding for a child. Oh, Lord, we ask this morning that you would change us. We cannot live life apart from you, period. 
We cannot have a healthy marriage apart from you because you gave us forgiveness and we need that in an increased measure in these days. We cannot parent well without you because you've taught us about compassion and understanding and grace. Lord, we cannot work from home right now apart from you because our minds are swirling. We feel anxious and inundated and, and we don't know which way to go. We feel so overwhelmed or we just feel like quitting. Jesus, we want to do our work unto you. That's what the word says. Lord, we cannot experience contentment in our lives right now apart from you. You're the secret. (laughs) But we don't want you to remain a secret. We don't want you to remain a secret to the people who don't know about you yet. We don't want you to remain a secret to those all over the world and those in our town who are desperate, that are grasping for something and they'll never be satisfied. They'll never be put at peace until they cling on to the garment of Jesus. Lord, we're asking that you would make yourself known in these days more than ever before and that we as the people of God would have boldness and courage to tell the world about the real you. So Lord, we ask that we would abide in you so that we can bear fruit. (laughs) We love you, Jesus. Amen.